York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm coming straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? It's Jailers from Nick of Time Show here. Give you that Nick's talk, Justin Nick of Time. Um, there's not going to be no big intro today or no music. We don't even deserve music. Today is going to be a bunch of Bruh. these going around for the day, pretty much. Um, but let's get to it. The Knicks lose to the Mavericks 121 to 100. Didn't really put up any resistance in the third quarter. Uh, we're we're going to talk about the game. You usually have a bunch of notes, but I really don't even have notes right now. Um, but before we get into the game, let me introduce you to my guy. He's uh, first is the man, the myth, the legend. You already know who it is. Ryan G's in the building, disappointing loss, and I'm just telling y'all from now, I really ain't got much to say. Yep, and uh, I know someone who has a lot to say, he's been fuming from the rip, uh, Latin assassin Lee Escobedo. Pretty sure he got the sniper rifle out today. I'm furious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is are we all good on YouTube, Lynn? Because my my uh, YouTube thing is is going weird, so I'm not sure if it started. Are we good on YouTube, Lynn? Um, looking at me. It seems fine. It seems for what fine. I can see. Yeah. I see me in the chat. I see us in the chat. Yeah, nobody's really complaining, so that lets me know that right. everything is good to go. Yeah. All right, cause all right, I can't see comments or anything right now. My my dude. All right, let's go. All right, let's get to it. Uh, before we get into it, you already know Fubu TV. If you want to watch MSG free for seven days, you can go to Fubu TV slash KOT. That's Fubu TV slash KOT. We get a percentage if you move over from free to pay. You can watch uh games like knicks even though you might not want to watch the knicks right now but there's other uh cable and in, in, in sports teams you can watch and also martin or whatever you're going to watch shout out to fubutv.com for partnering with the kids 90 seconds all right all right so th- let's just get to it game was abysmal taylor two halves we third quarter of doom reared his ugly head it was really bad. We got our score in the third quarter, 41 to 15. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a Knicks revenge game, had five threes in the third quarter, and it was just all bad. There was no real bright. I mean, this the bright side is not even really matter to me at this point. Um, it's so minimal. But this is one of those games that can start the train for a firing. Uh, and... I can kind of smell it in the air, even with the news coming in before this. There was news that uh, there's scrutiny from the top down on what's going on with this team. And I'm pretty sure a game like today is going to add fuel to the fire. And then we end up having to play the Cavs tomorrow as well. So it's going to be an interesting week or two in Knicks news. Um, but I'm going to start off by talking to Lee the Latin assassin, because I already know Lee was pretty pissed off. Um, I'm kind of numb right now. So, but Lee, I'm going to let you take it away. Thanks, Jailus. I'm required to be objective in my writing. Writing about sports and writing for some blogs like SB Nation allow me to be a little more subjective and and impart some of my personal experience with the team and to write it from the first person point of view with, with I. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I'm very grateful that I have this podcast. And I'm able to extend that even more and be completely subjective. And, you know, everything kind of filters through my own point of view. And so much of that is my history as a Knicks fan is tied to my father. My dad and I have had a very strong relationship throughout my life. I was raised by him. Uh, you know, my mom had her issues and I was raised in a single parent household with my father and I. And we were a really strong bond. And a lot of that was because of the Knicks. And I started watching the Knicks right after the 99 finals. Uh, James Dolan had, you know, recently taken over the team, been handed to him by a silver spoon from his father. And my Nets watch experience has paralleled Dolan's ownership. Okay. And my father and I have gotten through some really difficult times in our life together because we always had the Nets to turn to. And at this point, I'm 37 years old, and I'm absolutely fed up and tired of having that experience, that mutually shared experience, being one of pure misery and failure. 
And that is because of the ineptitude that James Dolan has in his hirings and who runs the front office, who runs the coaching staff, and the players he chooses to build around. And this, to me, came to a boiling point because this coach should have been fired last year after he expressed or showed what he's able to do in the playoffs against the Atlanta Hawks. He got outsteamed on offense and defense by Nate McMillan. Trey Young carved us up. And we had a whole year last year to sit through and watch the misery to end up being the most ultimate form of mediocrity that we could possibly be too bad for the lottery too good for the playoffs we're right there in the middle this season started off right in the same pattern and tom thibodeau is still the coach grunting and slouching around the sidelines he's lost his team this team no longer is responding to him i've said this before in this podcast you can tell they give up on him his voice is no longer resonating in that locker room maybe not every player but the most important players he's squandering the best years uh, the beginning core of Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, these guys are openly complaining, whether it be to their, their peers, to each other, to the media, on social media, about their roles in this offense. It's time for Tom Thibodeau, the garden gnome that most Knit fans are so frustrated with, to get the hell off this team. This man needs to be fired immediately after this game. And not not go out and just Quinn Snyder or Ime Dota. Those would be great hires. Just elevate Johnny Bryan for a little bit. See what the guy can do. Trade Randall, trade Fournier, trade Rose, tank this team, and let's let the kids make mistakes to where people aren't begging for these team, these small wins on a Saturday morning against another mid-team, the Mavs. We should really be having a clear direction, and that's Leon Rose's fault for not having a pure delineation between are we a rebuilding team or are we a contending team? There's, there's no distinction right now. We've been towing this line now for one and a half seasons, and it's time to make a decision. That decision should be to tear it down because we don't have a true first option on this roster. And Tom Thibodeau is squandering the talents that are sitting on that bench, allowing them to have mistakes to where if we lose this game, at least we're losing it on the bats of Obi Toppin. We're losing it on the bats of Grimes and Reddish. Now, these guys did minimal minutes. Cam Reddish had four minutes in the first half. I know he didn't play well. Continue to let him play well. Let him make mistakes. Let him get repetitions in there in the game. Let him be the one that's touching the ball. Instead of a Joyous Randall 21-point first half, what good does that do for us? It does nothing. I'm tired of the most important thing in my life to, with me and my father to be tied to his failing, miserable, festering franchise that continues to hire the wrong people in every position and keeps putting out these pathetic rosters every year. Fire Tom Thibodeau. And Leon Rose, you next. Ooh. Bruh. That was the gunshots. I didn't mean to hit the raw on you, me. That was the gunshots because you brought the gunshots today. Yeah, so, there's stages for me when I'm pissed, and there's me pissed, and there's me eerily calm. And the eerily calm is because I'm trying to contain myself, and there's like too many thoughts rushing to my head at once. And I'm at that eerily calm piss stage right now. <sighs> but for me, watching this game. It was obvious to me that Tom Thibodeau doesn't know what he was doing. Um, I feel like he might be trying to toe this line between politics and playing the players who are actually effective. Today, we played a Mavs team that was playing five out a lot, and they didn't have that big center. And I believe that when you have these type of teams, you have to go with Sims because he's able to switch a little bit faster on the three-point shooters and he help us out, especially for a team like this is all they do is pretty much shoot threes. So I think that's one tactical thing that he did wrong. Secondly, the third quarter of Doom, we already know. Tim Hardaway Jr. is coming in pissed. Reggie Bullock, he's here. He wants to show us something. They, they, the Dallas Knicks want to show us something because half of those guys are on our team, and we have to take note of that. They can't come in our building and play with more passion than we did, and that's what happened today, and I don't appreciate that. And then Tom Thibodeau doesn't, he doesn't push the right buttons. There was a time where it looked like they were hunting Derrick Rose. If you saw me tweeting, I was like, yo, get Derrick Rose out of there. For the first half of the game, Grimes was holding down the defending uh, Luka Doncic pretty well. Second half, they were like, we're screening Grimes off of him. So 
they started off screening Grimes off of him and having Brunson guard him and then force a double. And then all of a sudden you're looking, Tim Hardaway Jr. is getting off from three. Next thing you know, they're hunting Derrick Rose for like three or four or five plays in a row. Backdoor, Tim Hardaway Jr. Screen, have Derrick Rose try to contest a six, seven Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, I'm tired of the Tibbs favorites at this point. And the, the rigid rotations. We have, I understand Cam might be playing badly at this time, but when they're forcing a switch so you can get Grimes off of him and have and Tim Hardaway Jr. shooting off of a smaller player, you have to then adjust. This is when you do the Grimes Cam thing. So if you switch, you have a taller guy on you either way. Schematically, Tom Thibodeau doesn't seem how doesn't know how to make sense. He's just too tethered to this dumb. I'm playing rules five minutes no matter what. I'm playing Randall five minutes on, and it bit us in the ass today. And then on top of that, these long stretches without a timeout when they're bombing threes. This is a momentum game. You have to be able to stop momentum. And Tom once again failed to do that. And like you said, when you're getting demoralized, Lee, demoralized, Ryan, you're going to see the body language the Knicks have, but you're going to have, you have to try shit, man. Call timeout, put somebody else in, put the, we have Bruce McBride here. We're down 19 at this point. Try something different. It's been the biggest one of the biggest criticisms of the Tom Thibodeau era is his reluctancy to switch anything up remotely. And it it's, it's pissing me off. And I, Woj has talked about this draft and the Victor, about the Victor sweepstakes and teams might be switching it up a little earlier than usual. I don't know what's going on with the front office, but I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm not sure if the Knicks might be even thinking of that direction. Cause to me, when I see the news and I know I'm switching topics completely because my mind is all over the place. Cause I tell you, that's how I am. when I'm like mad. I feel like they're looking at, they might be looking at the draft finally and going, you know what? We might have to plug the plug earlier than usual. Cause we can't do this thing. Whereas after February and we're like 10 games under 500 and we're like, we're going to go for a push. Like this is not the year to do that. I don't know. That's what I have in my head right now. What do you got to say, Ryan G? All right. So I've had some time to think about my response to today's game. And I really don't want to have an overreaction because it's one game. And when I look at the Knicks games, maybe the past three or four games, you know, they, they did, they did hang in there with the Blazers. They did hang in there with the Grizzlies. They smacked the Pistons, which they were supposed to do. They hung in there with the Bucks. So there, there is something in this team regardless of the result today. But I will say this, like, I definitely agree with Jay Ellis with Thib's inability to change things up when his same static rotations are not doing any type of, you know, they're not producing because in today's game, for example, they started off on Luca good. Grimes is on Luca. They were running pick and roll often. Grimes stuck with Luca. Mitch provided help. And they pretty much neutralized Luca using those two guys on him. And Luca was ineffective in the first quarter. Then once Dallas switched it up to five out, they pretty much neutralized Mitch. So Mitch all of a sudden became ineffective because now he's out of the paint because he got to guard the perimeter. And Dallas took full, full advantage of that. And I feel like in a situation like that, yeah, you take Mitch out the game, but bringing Hardenstein in is not going to do anything no. really to combat that. 
So it's like, why not either stick to Julius Randle and Obi and have them play together with that five-out lineup? Or you bring in Sims because, you know, Sims can guard the perimeter better than Mitch and he can guard the perimeter better than the hardest team. You know, at least do something a bit different. But no, Thib sticks with his same rotations. He sticks with his same guys. And he doesn't try to do anything different to try to impact the game in another way. And we've known this about Thibs for a while now because he's been coaching the team for three years now. And I agree from the standpoint of the Knicks eventually has to have to choose a direction because to stay in the middle isn't going to do anything for this team. You know, it's either you go, okay, are we going, are we going to make a push to try to make a trade for, to bring in a superstar player or are we going to, trade away the vets, go with the young guys and just play out the season developing the youth and then see where we fall in the draft and then you draft other players and you bring them in. So does changes have to be made? Yes. You know, Dibs definitely cannot stay here past this season. It's either he goes middle of the season but knowing the Knicks front office, I don't know if if they're going to be willing to do that, based on based on the way they've been running the team so far. I think and, Dolan is getting involved, Ryan. I don't know if you've been hearing about the news recently. Well, if Dolan if Dolan's getting involved, he's definitely going to then Dips definitely out mid season sometime if this if this continues to go on. But yeah, the Knicks definitely have to choose a direction. It's either you go with the young guys and you develop them. Or you make a really hard push after a superstar play if, if that person becomes available. But right now, the direction to me seems like you have to just go youth at this point. You 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 trade your you trade your vets, you give the young guys the chance to play, have them play out the season and then see where you fall in the draft, and then draft whoever you can. You know, it's a deep draft. So if the Knicks can get into the top 10, they're bound to get somebody of good talent to come to the squad and just keep building from that standpoint, you still have your assets. So in the future, if you do want to make that trade for that big name player who, who becomes available, you can still make that trade. But yeah, you have to, at this point, it's like, you have to pick a direction. You cannot continue to be a middle team, especially like you said, JL is with such a deep draft next year. We're actually not like, this is a terrible loss today. But we it's fun. We're still in a situation where the ship can be corrected because of the way of our assets are set up right now. We just have to choose wisely. And I kind of feel like a fork in the road is is coming pretty soon. Just based off of the news. Like we two games under five hundred and the news that came out a few days ago was uh, people aren't satisfied of where the Knicks are and it seems like they're upset and it's not just about Tom Thibodeau so they're like they they made it a, a point it was Ian too and I'm paraphrasing I'm not doing any word for word they made it a point to say it's not just about Tibbs so when you start to say it's not just about Tibbs now okay we're looking at Leon Rose we're looking at uh, everybody, Ninja P, are we looking at Randall, RJ? Are we looking at, dude, like, they're talking about everybody. So everything is on the table. So here's the thing. This is like a, a powering time, but it's also very dangerous time at the same time. Um, Because I do believe there are players here who can be good. I do also believe that we misuse and miscast some players incorrectly. So, uh, which is why in the beginning of the season, when, when we were talking about, you know, how far can we get? I'm just like, I'm not convinced that Tom Thibodeau can really steer this ship and use the players correctly. Now, to be fair, Tom Thibodeau has made a lot of adjustments. I still feel like those adjustments are due to the front office pressures. We didn't expect to see Cam starting and even playing right now. We didn't expect to see Evan Fournier on the bench, um, but there's still... Uh, even though there has been changes made, there still needs to be another push to to get 
a more flexible coach or another mind or something in here because we, we, we're stuck. We're, we could eventually we could be stuck if we don't make the, the right move. I don't want the front office to get too crazy and start trading everybody and being in the covered. Um, but I think we need to be strategic on who we get rid of and what moves to be made after this today. I don't yeah, watch Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, no. All, all I was saying was that if I'm the next front office right now, like, my eyes would be on email, though, but, like, I'm going to be keeping tabs on him. And, like, you know, even if Dibs gets fired this season, like, I will put Johnny Bryant. Like, I, like I'm going to test Johnny Bryant and see how he does. And if I feel like Johnny Bryant is not the solution, my eyes is going to be on email, Doka, because I saw what that guy did with the Celtics and – it seems like the formula is there for the Celtics to succeed because now they're bringing this new coach and it seems like he's keeping that same formula and they're still playing lights out. So my eyes right now, due to coaches available, is on email, though, I'm keeping an eye on him. I would test Johnny Bryant to see how he does. If Johnny Bryant proves that he's the coach, then, of course, I stick with Johnny Bryant. But if he proves that we need somebody you know, who's a bit better as a coach, my eyes would be on email Doka right now because the Knicks need to bring in a coach that's dynamic and he's going to completely shift the way the team plays and have them be more dynamic on both sides of the floor. Email. I don't watch. With this Knicks history with scandal and these Isaiah Thomas being brought to court with that whole situation. I'm kind of bullish on Ime Doka. I understand the, the talent and the value he can bring to a franchise. Um, I, I believe in his basketball acumen to the fullest degree. It's, I'm not sure if New York is ready, uh, especially the the media out here is ready for Ime Doka hiring in New York. Especially like I, especially there's been a it's been peaceful here. For the last, I mean, considering the mid, the how mid we've been playing, there hasn't been no crazy scandals, nobody being kicked out of arenas, no, uh, you know, no Oakley scandal, no sex, none of that stuff has been very strictly basketball here. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'd be, I'd be a little bit nervous with an email hiring here. I don't watch any other sport. I don't root for any other team. The Knicks are all I have. I don't. I don't watch football. I don't watch baseball. I don't watch hockey. I don't, don't care about college hoops. Same. The Knicks are always the only team I've been rooting for for over twenty-two years now. And when I watch the commercials, I'm also live in Dallas, so I'm not surrounded by fellow Knit fans. It's really just me and my pops. And but when I watch those MSG commercials where they highlight fans, they've been fans for decades. I see a lot of generational love, like fathers passing down to sons and you know, grandfathers to grandkids. And a lot of them are blue collar workers too. You know, these are people that are in retail. These are entrepreneurs. These are people as subway train conductors. Like people are really living their lives and giving the little bit they have to try to have some type of attachment and relationship with this team that they're so diehard love for. And I'm in the same boat. You know, my, my dad went to Ross and got me now in Houston, Jersey that I was too fat for in 2005. You know, I, I he passed down the you know the boots he had on the knits. I was reading. Uh, Walt Clyde Frazier's autobiography, Willis Reed's autobiography. Like, I read it and taught me about Bill Bradley. Like I grew up on the Knicks. Like, it's all I care about. It's I eat, drink, sleep, bleed Knicks, orange and blue. So for us to have a situation where we hire a front office guy that has these relationships throughout the league, there is a responsibility on Leon Rose to say, okay, I will hire my friends. I will buy into nepotism to a certain degree and hire my former client as a head coach, but also have the responsibility and accountability to fire them when necessary. And I believe that those relationships in the front office have become toxic because there is no reason after the last season and a half for Tom Thibodeau to still be the head coach of our franchise. The man should have been fired last year. He should be fired now. I disagree with any take that says let him play out the season or let's see next game. Screw all that. We've seen enough. Fire this man, elevate Johnny Bryant, like Ryan said, see what he has in the tank. And then when, his, when the summer opens up, I, I agree. Let's see what Ime Udoka has. Because I think he's the one coach that can, can handle the pressure of New York. The man has seemingly atoned for his sins. He hasn't been accused of being crime. He's not arrested. He's not charged with anything. So once those things play out, I understand the trepidation because of Isaiah Thomas and Stephon Marbury's situation. But Leon Rose did hire Rick Brunson. 
So he has his own sort sorted history that you know has been uh, put under the microscope. The I, I think zone I think, wasn't as big, bright when that happened. So I, yeah, I but it, it was worse. It was worse. Well, what Brunson did was worse uh, in terms of the facts that we know. If right. you do your research on but Brunson, it wasn't a pretty situation at multiple stops that he was at. I'm just saying that we, we absolutely need a new head coach, one who can inspire and one who can actually have a connection with young players. Tom Thibodeau is coaching that 2008, 2009. He's steaming that way. You know, drop coverage. Make sure we have a rim-protecting big while you give up threes after threes after threes. The man cannot coach in a modern NBA. Like This should be his last stop. He's a dinosaur. He's going extinct. It's time for that meteorite to hit the earth and smite him out of existence because we need a young coach who understands modern basketball, and this man does not. And if Leon Rhodes is not willing to make those changes, he's next. Yo, Ryan, remember one of our first interviews? One of our first interviews, uh, we 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 talked about Leon Rose in particular. Uh, it was actually Tommy. It was actually Tommy. Tommy Beer, really great interview, and I was, what's the word, bullish on the Leon Rose Rose hire at first because I felt like it was there was a pattern of hiring people who aren't basketball people who aren't basketball GMs to be a basketball GM. And I wasn't comfortable with it. I really wanted to go after uh, the OKC Thunders uh, Presti at this time. And it was like, oh, it's going to cost us a pick or whatever. I was just like, so what? And I, at that time, I was like, pay the pick. <laughs> pay the pick. Because we need a basketball mind here who knows basketball and not a guy who is a CAA agent and this is his first rodeo. And you know what? I came down. I was like, oh, he has relationships. Oh, if anybody can do it, he can. He's built this from the ground up. Be good at that from the ground up. Uh, he can figure it out. I kind of feel like we might have been right along at this point. And, 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 I, and, I'm, and I'm worried. I'm just a little bit worried. There's still, like I said, there's still time to change course here, but the next move has to be our best move. We can't change course and and repeat the same mistakes over the last 20 years of of hiring guys who was my first time running a basketball team or they've ran the, a, a failed basketball team and they haven't put the direction and ran a team for a long periods of time with some type of success. It's, it's time to go in direction where people are actually have some success in the past and and use that as a basis for hiring. I don't yeah, know. Well, I feel like we might be two games away from a tis firing. Just to be honest with you. Yeah, and um, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Jay Ellis. Like during that time too, I was like, I wanted Presty from OKC. I was like, I don't care what it takes to get that man here. Like get that man to New York City and have him run the team because it's about time we have a competent GM that actually has a history of making good moves and has a history of like scouting players and drafting them. And because, because if you look at the Knicks history, when was the last time we drafted an actual superstar player? We, we, we haven't really drafted a superstar player since Patrick Ewing. And that's, and that's 85. You know what I mean? And, and the fact that like the Knicks have been so unlucky in this free agent market, to bring in an actual superstar player. Like, if, you, if, you if you're thinking about it from a realistic standpoint, the Knicks should have an A-plus, an A-plus drafts, yeah, A-plus drafting scouts to where they can scout talent, and it doesn't matter where the Knicks fall. Well, it, they'll be able to draft that talent and bring them here because we haven't been lucky in free agency where we're able to bring in that superstar talent. We have to, we, we, we need a great, we need a, like, what I'm trying to say is we should have brought in a GM with actual experience and had, and knows how to hire the right scouts, et cetera. So that if we can't land that superstar player in free agency, at least we have somebody here that can at least scout, scout talent. And if the Knicks have like a high enough pick can possibly pick out the best player, you know, within that, you know, within that, um, right. You know, I guess the range. You know what it is, Ryan. 
our scouting department, when it comes to the lower picks, the 20s, the 25s, the 58 picks, we've done okay. We've done well in those lower pick areas, right? When, when the problem is RJ Barrett and OB top, because those are the opportunities that we, we had when we actually had a top 10 pick, when we were lucky enough to kind of get a ping pong ball to fall our, our way. Well, even the RJ Barrett pick, we were a little unlucky because we were supposed to be have a higher pick. But with that being said, RJ Barrett was supposed to be the pick, you know? And I'm still trying to figure out, and I'm not all the way down on RJ Barrett, but he was supposed to be the pick. And he hasn't been the all-star top three pick that we all want to see. Yeah, but to be honest, though, it's like I can't really blame the Knicks for that because it's like if if you look That's at that saying. draft, if you look at that draft, Zion, it was Zion Ja and then everybody else. And right. the Knicks were getting to the top two. So it's like you couldn't draft Zion. You couldn't draft Ja. So it's like the next best option after those two was RJ Barrett. So it's like I can't really blame the Knicks for that pick. It, it's, I agree. It's just, that, it, it's just that, you know, RJ Barrett hasn't lived up to the all-star expectations that we were expecting of him. That's the only thing. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, I'm responding to your, we don't, we don't, we need to draft Wells. Uh, you, you, we need to draft well complaint. Like we've only had, you're supposed to get superstar power, talent in the top 10. We only had two picks in the top 10 during this era. That was RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin comes in. Julius Randle was, was already here. I'm fi- I thinking they figured that they was going to trade Julius Randle that season. He ends up playing out of his mind. Now Obi Toppin stuck behind Julius Randle for the last few years. So I, under, and, and then there's people who will say, you know what? We should have had Halliburton. We should have had Devin Vassal or whatever. Right. But still, RJ Barrett, we want him to be better. That's the real, that's our highest pick since Brazingis that hasn't really panned into a superstar talent. Really. I, I think that you could exert a lot of effort in going back and trying to revise the historical mistakes that previous uh, executives had done because the RJ pick was, that was a stop, uh, Steve Mills era pick. So I think that you didn't even go further back to that, to the Phil Jackson time and how we squandered our assets back then too. But we're, we're at a crossroads right now. We can really change the direction of our franchise right now, and it wouldn't take a whole lot. Firing Tibbs would be the first option. Train Randall would be the second, because Randall gives you uh, probably 12 to 13 games winning on his own. Like having him on the roster gives you at least a 13-game uh, wins on the calendar. By getting rid of him, you're fully committing to Obi Toppin, and you're also committing to a tank, which means you're going to put yourself in position to have a nice lottery pick. You're going to have the Mattis pick, which is somewhere between 11 and 13, you're going to have the Washington pit, which is protected, the Detroit pit, which is protected, the Milwaukee pit, which is protected, with five pits, with one of them potentially lottery, four protected. You can go up and finally get that generational talent. You can package whether it be Obi or RJ or Mitch with that pit and actually get someone who's a bona fide number one option that we haven't had since Patrick Ewing. Now you're combining that talent with a supporting cast, which Carmelo did not have during those years, which is sacrificed half the roster and trade him instead of waiting for free agency. This is another crossroads we're at. And we had, this is a legitimate opportunity for Leon Rose to course correct and say, we're committing to draft capital and this upcoming draft, which is stacked both round one and round two and try to as much top tier town as possible. Even if it means train Randall or RJ or both to put ourselves in position to have the best draft trade option to the teams that either did this number one, number two pick or the ones or us getting the number one, number two pick. If we commit to the same middle and BS, this is going to be a repeat next year. We're going to be on this podcast on the same things. We might be a little bit better incrementally, but we're not going to have a number one option. We're at a point where we could have number one option, but it's going to take some major course correcting from Leon Rose, which is why I said he's next. If he doesn't do that. I don't necessarily disagree at this point. You know, it's an interesting question to ask because, you know, we talk about the RJ Barrett and Obi Topic picks, and I'm just going back, looking at the draft. And I think this would be an interesting question to ask the both of you, you know, the both of you guys. Like, would the Knicks trajectory be any different? Like, say, for example, the draft with Zion, right? The Knicks picked, picked RJ Barrett number three. 
The Cavs got Darius Garland at number five. You know, he's an all-star point guard. Would a Knicks trajectory be any different if they drafted Darius Garland instead of RJ Barrett at number three? No. Yeah, then again, 2020. Okay, they drafted OB Toppin at eight. So after that, probably you look through the draft. The next best player drafted after OB Toppin is Tyrese Halliburton. Would a Knicks trajectory be any different with Tyrese Halliburton here instead of OB Toppin? No. Maybe. That's possible. I mean, it would be different if we got John Morant or Zion Williamson in 2019. It would be that's true. So much different, for sure. It would be this. This, this stage is different. You're right. John Morant is a superstar, ta- superstar talent that's going to take us over the edge. Howley, um, he, Burton, he's like a, he's like that, a tier. He's like that all star, but not superstar. All-star. Yeah, Paul George, Pascal right. Siakam. Lamarcus Aldridge, but he's, he's damn good, you know. <laughs> he's damn good. Like we would be, we would have more wins today for sure. I feel like actually, to be honest with you, we might have more wins with even Darius Garland, depending on who we put next to him. Because guys who can pass dribble and shoot, like who do we have that can pass dribble and shoot outside of? We would have had that last year. I handed to Le- to Leon Rose. He did solve the point guard. Jalen Brunson. He had a terrible that game today. That's his best move. Yeah. That's his best move, and it was a very, very, very good move. Jalen Brunson, an above average point guard, who, in my opinion, should be an All Star this year, which is a hell of an accomplishment in, in and of itself. And now it's a perfect time to pair him to be a second option to a true number one. And you can get that number one in next year's draft and package the rest of those picks in a Mitch or an RJ to get a number two. We have the assets to do that. Will we do it? That's a crossroads we're at. Yeah, and I just want to come. I just want to like respond to a comment in the chat. T. Williams saying Victor and Scott are dead to be drafted. But the thing is, like, those guys are top three talent. Like, what are the odds that the Knicks even get a top three pick? And then on top of that, it's like, even if the Knicks get a pick that's outside the top three where those guys are going to probably go, what are the chances that a team is going to actually be like, yeah, we're going to accept trade offers for, you know, for our top three pick or whatever the case may be and accept whatever offer the Knicks are going to give them, more than likely those teams are not going to move because they're going to be like, Victor's a generational talent. School looks like he's going to be, a you know, based on, you know, what he's showing so far, probably a top five point guard within like the next few years. Like, I can't see a team moving off of those picks and being like, yeah, you know, we'll trade down or whatever the case may be for just future first round picks to miss out on talents like that. So unless the Knicks get really lucky, in the lottery and actually land a top three pick, I can't see the Knicks drafting either player. It I disagree. Happens. I think I think it depends on what team does get those I'm about picks. I to say that, Lee. It depends and, on the and team. what the Knicks are offering. If a Barrett or a Mitch, a Grimes, if it's three, if it's that year's Knicks lottery pick plus two future unprotected or one future unprotected and three of the other ones we had next year, if you offer a grandfather package that a team can't turn down, we might get screwed. We, I don't think we did Victor – in any trade, nah. but we might get screwed or a player after that. I I'm think it's very at, possible. I'm looking at the Pelicans for is a good like example. It's worth right the here. risk because the Pelicans are a team who have Lakers picks, which is like gold. Um, but they also have a, a bevy of picks and a bevy of young talent who need time. So it's like. They might be a team who might be willing to do a trade for like I don't know for something because <laughs> they don't I don't know I haven't even I don't even know what they would need at this point because they got Zion they got they kind of stacked over yeah I mean yeah Pelicans would be a possibility just based on the way their team is built and I guess depending on how far they go in the playoffs as well once that time comes might determine whether they keep that right three pick or not but if they were to get it but um if they were to get it. yeah but probably that's the only team i can think of that would probably be willing to like move depending on the package right teams like Jaden ivy like we tried to trade up for Jaden ivy this season last season you know the, the detroit pistons are worse off than we are so if they feel like they have the talent that they want in Jaden Ivy, they're not going to take our picks to move up because they're going to want to, they're in like in a similar situation or worse than us. So 
it would have to be a team who's who's had a smart GM who's already stacked up on young talent and picks going, you know what, this is who might be available here. We don't need that pick because we already have our all-star point guard here. We already have our all-star power forward here. So let's move this pick for a position of need. And a pick and for the future. We could even enhance our draft capital by trading Joyce Randall for a first or trading Derek Rose for a protected first or a super early second rounder. We have other guys who could trade right now and even enhance our draft capital than it already is for 2023. But that again, it's a decision Leon Rose about to make. He's been towing that line on mediocrity for three years now. It's time for him to change directions, in my opinion. We don't have a talent in this roster to ever improve beyond what we are. And this is one of those things where I feel like it might be hard for a GM to pivot without actually being fired because GMs want to make sure they look good. They want to make sure what we did was the right move. So you know what? Um, if 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 I don't want to look like I did wrong by reversing course in year three, because that's like a that's the a mass admittance of wrong for Leon Rose. So it probably might be wise for him to do that at this point, but he he might not be willing to do it because his admittance are wrong, and that could be the end of his job if he if he does it himself. I don't know. Unless you have a talk with Dolan going, you know what? I made a mistake or I could be wrong. I still could be right, but it might be worth it to do this at this point. That's all. I don't know. But it seems like Dolan might be already pissed. I think there's ways to frame it. If you were to fire Tibbs and you trade uh, Randall, you didn't put out a statement like he usually does. He's like pathetic PR releases and just be like, hey, we're totally committing to the kids. You know, like we love the core we built over the last three years and we're really going to see what this core can get us with those guys as the leaders by starting five players under the age of 25. You to put out some bogus PR report. And really what it really means is we're tanking and we're letting the young kids take their punches and get back up. And that puts you in a position to actually have a top five pick. Instead of relying on other teams training to us, let's put ourselves in positions to get that pick right off the bat. And it's not too late. The season's still early. Yeah, and the thing is, is that even with, even with the PR move that Lee is talking about, with the way Knicks fans are at this moment, the Knicks fans would accept that. The Knicks fans would accept, you know, the kids, you know, get, being on the court, being on the court, getting the majority of the playing time, making mistakes, learning from those mistakes and growing. Like, that's a PR move that, you know, with the fans, would resonate with the fans. Because at this point, the fans are fed up with what, with what they see on the court. Yeah, you know, definitely. So the fans are like, at this point, it's like, F it. Just go with the young guys then if, if, if we're going to just watch these veterans just, you know, play and, like, lose every other game. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting enough. The way this first half started, I was like, "Oh, R.J. Barrett, kind of efficient. Grimes playing good defense. Julius Randle. Julius Randle actually plays really good defense on the perimeter, guarding a guy on the perimeter, like when he's allowed to. It just like when he's switching, when he's in the paint, he's just so bad. He's really bad. Like there was a play where they figured out that Mitch was stopping. Donchick, they screened Grimes and then they back screened Mitch. I had to rewind the play because I was like, yo, what the hell happened? They screened Grimes and they back screened Mitch just so they can have Randall at the, the, the end to deter Luka Doncic. Of course, Randall's not going to do anything but just stand there. So it, we, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you're absolutely right, Lee. You're right. You're right. A part of me wishes we had another coach who can hold more players accountable. A part of me wishes we hope that we we use players correctly. We still have... There's been pieces going around about Obi Toppin recently. And we talked about this earlier in the year, about how Obi Toppin has become this decent three-point shooter. But we've been using him wrong for three years. He came in talking about how he's the next Amari Stoudemire. And then now he's trying to, they, they kind of use him like he's Sean Marion or something. So I'm just, <laughs> like, so I'm just like, Bruh. I saw a stat that said Obi Toppin is shooting 57% of his shots from three point line. And it's like, this guy came in as a dunker. Dunkers, the dunk son of dunkers delight. I used to say that at the beginning of the show, the son of dunkers delight. I, he, this whole, this is a mess, man. It brings me no joy to hear you agree with me. But you know me, like my goofy ass was saying 50 burger before the season started. I genuinely thought that this team would buy in 
to Tibbs' philosophy that he would actually like change a little bit and play the young guys more. We started seeing flash of that in the first couple of games of the season when Cam started turning around and Obi felt like that he could finally finish through mistakes. Grimes came back and looked like he was a better offensive player than he was last year. And then here we are, full circle. You know, time is a flat circle. And, in, and throughout time, Tibbs sucks as a coach. And that's a really unfortunate fact. And we're here now with him guiding us to another 10-game under 500 season, which is going to get us a 13th pick in the draft. So we'll have it a 13th and a 14th and a 20th and a 25th. What good does that do us? You know, that's like 2021 all over again. The thing is, he did kind of change. Like, he he didn't change enough, though. Like, the, the, the biggest – like, he – the front office took away all of his playthings in Alec Burks. He put Evan Fournier on the bench. He started to play Cam. He started to play Grimes. This this team is mostly young guys right now. Mostly young guys. It was the the biggest issues are still his rigidness. His rigidness is still his, his biggest issue. This rigidness to employ a more creative offense, even though he's been pretty good out of our timeouts, but. Like still offensive system is, is still an issue. Still rotations are still an issue. There's still big issues, man. Robert Paris says, Yeah. Well, everybody heard me talking about Darius Garland for a while. I look at I'm a, listen, I've been right, I've been wrong. All right. I've been right, I've been wrong. I was right on Garland. I was right on Jalen Williams. Um, I was right on those. I was wrong on Killian. It happens. <laughs> yeah, even though I'll say Killian looked like, at least as of late, he looked like he's been turning it around. But, True. you know, the, the thing is, you know, again, consistency. Like, you know, is that going to be his consistent play from here on out? Or is it just like flashes in the pan? I agree. I agree, man. I don't see anybody. I know the phone lines are open right now. I don't see behind the phone lines. I'm... I'm pretty much talked out. I don't know if anybody else has anything else to say or if anybody wants to call in. If you do, you already know the number, 319-527-6241. 319-527-6241. Otherwise, I can just shout out all my peoples in the chat. No? Uh, I'm done with this garbage game. Fire tips. Yeah, as for me, I'm trying to enjoy my Saturday, so <laughs> I want to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's time to enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, guys. We have a game tomorrow versus the Cavs. You already know Donovan Mitchell is going to be fired up for that game. Tomorrow's game is going to be really telling, too, considering the spirit and temperature of this team. Who's going to respond? Who isn't? Um, or is there still fight left in this team? Will Tibbs actually start to be more flexible and try to expand his rotation? Um, that might be something we're going to have to start to look at. So tomorrow's game is really going to be telling. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. I see there's a super chat. Shout out to JT Riddick, who sends a 499. He says, you're, that's all I got. Hashtag all 82. Yeah, you crazy. <laughs> Shout out to my guy, JT Riddick. Shout out to JT Riddick. Shout out to Robert Parrish. Shout out to Murphy Johnson. Shout out to shout out to uh Knicks Nation TV. Shout out to you. I haven't, I haven't, we gotta, we, yo, we got a ball Knicks Nation TV. I'm trying to start to play ball again. Actually, I got injured. I got a little hurt in the summer, so I stopped coming out. But I'm trying to get swag started again. I need something to bring me joy. All right. Shout out to uh <laughs> Ainge Girl One, Jay Joshua, everybody else is rocking with the KOT show. I've I've I'm good. We'll be back. It'll be really interesting to hear from Raw tomorrow. Um, usually he joins us for Sunday, so I'll, I'll see if he's actually available tomorrow, especially with the ties turning with this coach and stuff like that. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see Raw. I know Raw um, has been, you know, more pro tips. And honestly, for me, I haven't been on the fire tips train this year. I've been on the, I've been on the, I know Tibbs isn't the guy who's going to get us to the championship. And I know we're going to have to switch gears at some point, but I wasn't sure if this is going to be the time to, to switch gears or not, because I saw that the front office was trying to save him for himself. And I thought maybe, you know, maybe we can get the best out of the situation with the front office removing 
his handicaps and forcing him to play guys that we like. But it seems like that time is, is starting to cut here. So, man, crazy, crazy year. Hopefully, it's all to roll tomorrow. All right. But thank you guys for watching. Um, guys, you let them know where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Sergi is chilling. Sergi is chilling. That's S I R G is C H I L L I N. You can also find me at Sergi's Corner and on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. All right. Where can you find you, Lee? You can find me uh, on Twitter at, at underscore Lee Estabito, L E E E S C O B E D O. And I got some heat coming out next week on multiple uh, publications. So I'll be on the lookout for that. Understood, understood, understood. Um, shout out to my guy Paris. He sends that four message chat before we close out. Says I'm not convinced that either Obi or Randall are who we want. Obi is an 18 to 20 point scorer, but is that what we need at power for? Um, you know what? 100 transparency. I agree. Obi is uh, he can I think he can score 20 points very easily. Uh, if given the the time, the the time, if you get in like thirty a game or something, I feel like he, he can average around eighteen to twenty, no no problem. The rebounding, he's still he's still in the process of learning how to rebound. He's starting to still get better at that. The defense, um, the defense is still might be a little bit of an issue. It's still probably a little bit of an issue for me. I love his activity level, but a lot of times at power forward, um, he he looks a little bit overmatched when it comes to bigger, bigger guys. Um, so that might be an issue. But um, we would find out. <laughs> we would find out. Worst case scenario, we get another high pick in the stat draft. All right. All right, that is our show. You can find me at the KOT Show on Twitter, or us really. Well, I'll kind of run it, but the KOT Show on Twitter, the Nick of Time Show on Instagram, and the Nick of Time Show on Facebook. You can also catch the blogs at the Nick of Time Show.com. All right, also get those snap blacks, the snapbacks as well, the blue and orange and the black and white snap, snapbacks at the Nick of Time Show.com. All right, just go there and click catalog, get your snapbacks. Oh, I need to put that on sale for Christmas. I wasn't even thinking. All right, that is our show. We out of here. And as always, shout out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. More than ever, there's a mess out here. That drop has never been truer. That's our show. We out of here. Peace. New York, New York, big city of dreams.